You're listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. Visit us at mashthosebuttons.com. Sweet, and we're live with episode 106 of Push the Point, presented by Mash Those Buttons, your source for Overwatch League news, player storylines, updates, and more for season four, 2021 of the Overwatch League. Uh, Follow us on Twitter at pushpointpod. Throw us an email if you want, if you're feeling up for it, at pushthepoint at gmail.com, and leave us a review in your podcasting platform that you'd like to use. Labosco, first of all, happy to be hosting with you tonight um number two it has been a a weird week of overwatch to say not necessarily a bad week but like things things feel very different than last week's games i don't i, I don't think so i mean we still had some three o's i think that we just finally got to see the better teams play each other and we got to see um how good some of these teams are we also saw some weird thing i guess we did see a couple of weird things um, but I don't think it was as weird. I don't think it was that weird. There was a couple of weird things for sure, though. When I, I think weird is a wrong, I used probably a wrong word to describe it. I think just more with the meta. The word that you and I talked about before was arduous. That was the word I at least said. If I, like, I didn't say that, I, I have no problems with the meta being what it is. So I, I people, think people go ahead. You go. No, I cut you off. No, it's fine. People have used the term, um, new, what's it? Neo goats, neo goats. I've heard dupla goats thrown around, um, mainly because fights seem to go on for a super long time. They become kind of like a war of attrition in a lot of spaces. I I don't. Goats was so much different, though. I mean, Mm -hmm. goats was was so much about different sort of interactions and stuff. Like this is, you you can have fights one off of one hero in this like echo can be a difference maker i think there's so many different ways like heroes can be a difference maker i i i think that there's just so much sustain in this composition is why people think of goats but i i think there's clearly a lot of differences to this compared to goats mm-hmm. but i i get why people might feel that way i don't know i i don't have the problems that other people have with the, the comp that we're seeing this week and it's not like everybody is running this composition. So it, I don't know. I, I I've it, it's weird for me to see people say stuff like that because it's we, we still don't know if this is actually the best composition. For sure. For sure. Well, we're going to go into our two highlight games of the week. Uh, number one, I think, was the f- the second game. That we got to see during the weekend, um, Thursday afternoon, the Dallas Fuel versus the Florida Mayhem. The Florida Mayhem versus the Dallas Fuel. The Dallas Fuel and the Florida Mayhem came into the final week of qualifiers needing a major victory to give them a great chance to make it into the June joust. The stakes would set up for an incredible five-game bout to lead into the knockout games. Lijong Tower was an all-out brawl with both teams using the Echo Reaper comp that would remain throughout the series. Dallas clutched out a 99-99 on Night Market to take the first point off the back of a pivotal sound barrier from Jixay. Dallas made a compositional error at the start of Control Center, giving Florida the early lead. 
Dallas brought it back to 95% to 99%, but it wasn't enough to win the point, which left Gardens as the deciding point for map one. A strong showing at the start put Dallas in front with only 9% left to take the map. But this time, Yaki's duplicate on Reaper turned the tide and gave the mayhem map one. The fuel would waste no time answering back on their Hanamura attack, finishing with a behemoth time bank of 4 minutes and 38 seconds. The mayhem couldn't come close to matching it, finishing with no time and leading to the series evening up at 1-1. One one. The battle continued on Hollywood. Once again, Dallas finished the map with a better time bank than Florida and sealed a 2-1 lead for themselves off the back of Fielder's fast-building coalescence and a wise Reaper duplicate from Sparkle. The fuel looked to full hold on defense, but the Mayhem's offense persevered. An impressive overtime push kept Florida alive on the map and led to their stalwart defensive hold on the streets phase, forcing a map 5. Dallas would not let the stakes get to them. They dominated the start of Oasis and City Center, winning the point 100-0. But the mayhem would not go down without a fight, bringing University to the brink as both teams hit 99% on the point. Still, the fuel would prove to be too much for the mayhem and would win the final fight on the point to win both the map and the series. So last time we saw Dallas, they looked pretty good. Uh, what I guess the week one of June Joust iteration of this meta with the Echo Reaper. Um, but this was just one game of a pretty dominant streak for them this week. I thought that this was I, this wasn't a dominant game, though. This was close. Like this was a game that felt like it could have gone either way. I think that they had a dominant point at the end. Mm -hmm. and, and were dominant on certain points, but Florida fought back and weathered the storm a lot. This was one of our true mirror matchups of this Reaper and Echo composition with the Winston and the Diva and then the Moira and the Lucio. This was like our true mirror uh, of these two compositions. I think there was maybe a little bit of uh, variation in there from both of these teams on like one map, but for the most part, this was all the mirror. So this was sort of okay, this is what this composition can look like. This was also Dallas Field sort of um, forging themselves in iron, you know, like uh, really going against a good team to to see what their medal really is after losing a very close game the week before to the San Francisco Shock. So it felt like, like Dallas sort of solidified themselves in this game, and then it's been nothing but uphill from there for them. Uh, I mean, uphill is supposed to be like, more resistance, right? I thought it was well, because I it, downhill. Oh, I would downhill. think means. Sorry. Well, yeah. No, you're you're right though, because like people say, it's all downhill. Like stuff gets worse for me, but right. I don't know, yeah, man. So it's all uphill. It the the point is, is they were firing on all cylinders. How's that? It's, is that a better analogy? No, no for you're you? you're entirely correct. <laughs> yeah. So, so um, because because this was the this was the launching point. Like it felt like they had figured out what they wanted to do from the week before and how best to perfect it for this week in this game. Mm -hmm. Really, really strong performance. I have, I think the Junker towns that we saw across this week were really interesting maps. Uh, Dallas get full held. Well, not full. I take that back. No, no, no. They, um, they take first point and they get stuck kind of in the corridor town hallway. I don't know what you would call it. Um, 
it is interesting to think like something I think that gives Dallas a unique edge in this meta is that both Doha and Sparkle can play the Echo to a very high level. So it's not like they're locked into only one person being able to play it. The the better Echo though is clearly Sparkle. And then the better Reaper is clearly Doha. So ideally, mm-hmm. those are the two that play that. And then they'll change it up based on what the map needs. So maybe one guy will play something different. It's mostly been Sparkle playing something different. And then the Echo goes to Doha. And then Sparkle will play like Genji or Doomfist was something we saw that be an answer for Dallas Fuel a lot, especially against the, Re- uh, the, the Orisa compositions, because there isn't the same sort of punishment without that that damage orb onto the doom fist and teams weren't able to handle it and and you really see that later on from dallas for the most part but i think like the florida game was sort of them realizing oh we can probably do this on this map Mm -hmm. also please note that do with how hard they were running the Doomfist Echo strat, that doesn't mean it's a good strat for ranked play, guys. It is not something that's going to work unless you are incredible at that game. Because, well, like, the, you go. I was going to say, the composition they're playing anyways with the Echo and the Reaper and, and everything, it's so much about team play. It's all mm-hmm. about executing as a team that that composition in general just doesn't work very well if you don't have a good team playing together. The the sum of the parts ends up being more than the individual players in this composition. It, it's very unique in that way and sort of how we've seen where some metas are very DPS determinant and, and things like that. This, the supports and, and the tanks play so much more of a bigger factor. The the Winston able displacing to displace people into certain situations the diva with the self-destructs and especially because of the reapers, the defense matrix. And then you have the Moira and her ability to build coalescence. If you're not building coalescence, almost one a fight. You're not playing the Moira right or well. That was something we saw all weekend was like, you'd even see sometimes if the fights went on long enough, teams getting two coalescences in one fight. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. Super strong game for Dallas, Florida. I'm a little bit, I like they fought really tough in this one. I think I'm just more surprised by what Florida's later result would be for their second game, but we'll get into that. Anything else before we move on to our other highlight game? No, this I think was a good like Thursday was an incredible start to the weekend because we had two, three, two games. So you're like, oh, man, it can only go up from here. And it kind of did in some ways, and it also kind of didn't. So Mm -hmm. for sure, for sure. On to our next highlight game. Uh, the San Francisco Shock versus the Washington Justice. San Francisco Shock versus Washington Justice. The Shock looked to lock down the number two seed in the June Joust. On the other side, the Justice were looking to end the stage on a high note after a dismal week six showing bounced them from tournament qualification. Many assumed this would be a clear win for San Francisco but the opening surprised a lot of people. The Justice pushed the Shock away on both maps of Nepal, repeatedly outlasting through several minute long fights. Volskaya was back to business for San Francisco. They locked the Justice out of point two off the back of Nero and Stryker's DPS heroics, as well as a few ultimates from Decay and Closer on the Justice. 
Washington looked to bounce back on Numbani, where the Mag Fury Winston Diva combo slowed a seemingly strong shock offensive run to the overtime finish. Decay's Reaper gradually chewed through Shock in fight after fight, netting them a better map finish and eventually a win on map 3. Glister and Super subbed in for the Shock as they looked to tie the series on Rialto. Then Glister and Violet helped force the cart through point 3 on Shock's offensive run with some excellent hitscan damage on the Ash and Baptiste. Washington's attack run looked to be off to a good start with a strong point one take. Super's Orissa and Choyobin's Sigma stuffed the Justice at point two, even with a carry performance from Decay on the McCree. The Thai series would culminate with a battle for control on Busan. Map one, Mecha Base, was a brawl with squads tossing point control back and forth. Washington looked like they were just about to step into the driver's seat when Nero killed Fury with an Echo Diva Bomb and Decay with a Diva Rebec. San Francisco was able to stall to 99%, eventually taking map 1. Assassin's Echo kept the justice in the fight for a map, cleaning out enough of the shock players for Decay's Reaper to clean up the rest. Striker's Reaper answered in kind for map 3 grinding through the justice and setting up the shock to hold the point and take the series. So when going into this, I think the narrative around the justice last week was like, man, like they look so bad the first time in this meta last time we saw them. I mean, you look back at week six, they got three would by the Paris eternal and by the Boston uprising. It like, I think people kind of assume that they were going to be really, really sucky in this meta. And they seem to have figured it out like just in time. Almost they three out Florida for their other game. And then going into the game against the shock, they held super duper tough. Um, Decay was playing though, too. Yes. And (laughs) like, I think like that's a big difference. Well, and I think that we can make the, I don't, I think we can drop that part of like, I don't, you saw only a couple people trying to put the narrative like, well, why is Decay like sitting again? Why did he purposely bench himself? It's like, I can genuinely think, I think that they've genuinely thought like Jerry might be our better, like not our better option. Jerry might be our more comfortable option on like the flick scan, like the Reaper. But at the end of the day, when you have somebody like Decay who can play heroes to like any hero to a super high level and Decay is like the centerpiece of your team, you put him in. You have to, you find a spot for him in the spotting lineup. You literally built the team around decay. And, and I think it's, it's easily, it's easy to forget that some of the performances we saw decay shine on the most were hit scan DPS picks. So Mm -hmm. for me personally, it's sort of one of those things where it's like, okay, why, why do people think that decay can't play hit scan? If he's your best player, if he's who you built the whole team around, why isn't he in? That was what I never understood. Like maybe on hit scan specific maps, maybe then you want to pick put in Jerry. But most of the maps that we see them play or that we've seen them play were not that. So it made no sense that you wouldn't put your best player on and into the game. It's it's in any game, any sport, unless there's a super specific map type or something where that player is bad at the start, your best player, the person you've 
built, you literally built the team around Decay. Mm-hmm. He wasn't it. That just made no sense. Yeah, they looked so much better with him in for both games this week. Um, they bounced back a little bit too. Assassin looks a lot, looking a lot better than he did last time on the Echo. Uh, looking at how this game went back and forth, it so they come out, they take control at the beginning, and it's very like one map. One map goes to one team, the other team takes the other map. Um, I think the big things that you saw Washington kind of slip stuff away with was that there still seem to be these areas where they engage at weird times or they drop ults at weird times. Um, I think about specifically, there's a part of Oskaya where they got one of their supports gets picked early, like their Moira gets picked early or their tank, one of the tanks gets picked early and then they're still engaging with a death blossom and then a beat when like they've already pretty handily lost the fight. It's, I don't know what that's about necessarily, but there's still some bits where they're just out of sync. I think if they had, I think they either, they either pre their manager or somebody else said like, if they had gotten this handle on the metal, like a couple of days earlier, I think they have a, they might have a better, they may have had a better shot of getting one of the seeds in the knockout round. See, I, I, that's excuse making to me because Mm -hmm. The 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 every team had the same amount of time to learn this meta as as Washington did. That's that's just an excuse. I, I think that is a terrible way to look at it is to say, oh, well, if we if we well, yeah, every team could say that, right? Like mm-hmm. every team wishes that they had more time to learn the meta. I, I, I don't I'm not a fan of making those sort of excuses for a team. It's like, listen, we we. We took too long to figure it out. Like have accountability that you took too long to figure it out because other teams figured it out pretty quickly and then were able to really work it into their system and figure out what works best for them. So I'm not a fan of an excuse like that, especially when you're at the top level where those excuses need to not exist. That should not be what's happening to your team when you're five and two, when you're considered one of the best teams in the league, that shouldn't be happening. Mm-hmm. Are we still, how are we feeling about the Washington support line? Cause it, it felt like people, it felt like they were a point of contention or at least a point that got really pressured during this game as well. I, I feel like more than anything else, it was like, I feel like Washington maybe had some overconfidence sometimes where they're like, they'll lose a player. And then they'll still think they can win a fight and maybe they probably should back off instead. And then they end up costing themselves because they, they commit too heavily invest too many resources with that one player down, which it's like, it's one of those things where you want them to be confident and you want them to believe that they can win a fight shorthanded. But at the same time, sometimes it's bet you're better off just playing for the next fight. So it's it's difficult to put it all on the supports when when it doesn't seem like it's not like the supports are um, reacting late to stuff. Right. It seems like they think that they have this opportunity after the fact and, and then they probably shouldn't have. So I, I don't know so much if that's like because honestly, baby and closer have been much better than I expected them to be. I've, one of my favorite parts of the match, too, for one, um, we see them on Rialto. Uh, Super comes in on the Orisa. Glister comes in on, I think, the Widow, but then also like the Ash. 
uh, to really kind of lock it down. They have a really strong attack run. And then Washington, Decay puts on this McCree performance where he is long, he is dueling Glister, who is on the Ash, like, or no, he's on the Widow, like across the point from him. He is dueling Glister and keeping even almost with like the amount of eliminations on the McCree. Like he is trying, there's on that like curve for point two, he, he is trying so hard to lock in the fight. And then Super and Choi are just this wall. They're just shutting everybody down that like, he can't like, they can't even move forward even when he gets a pick. I liked too that that San Francisco showed us a little bit of a different look. They they ran this composition based off of the Arisa and the Sigma, and they played it pretty well in this game too. And and they we we've seen certain compositions like this too. Like this is a, a composition that you've been seeing in the APAC games too. Like you, I think Shanghai has run a composition like this sort of and a couple of other teams, I think were running similar style of composition. So there's merit to what they were doing for this and they make it work out. Um, last bit too. I don't know if you got to see it. There's that bit where Washington looks to be like just kind of edging out the final fight on Mecha base. And then Nero gets a kill with the deep. He's with the um the echo duplicate of diva he gets a kill off of the diva bomb and then he kills the k with the diva remake <laughs> and completely spins the fight to where they take they get to 99% and they're able to battle back and take control of the map and win the game like it's i i hope that they re, they take out the diva remake change um but it was at least fun to watch for this stage i don't think they are I think that that change is something that they're kind of doing in um, in preparation for 5v5. Because if you take that away, I mean, D.Va already is something that sort of needs other things with it in order to be successful, right? So mm-hmm. if you take that out, then then what happens, right? Like, where is D.Va in a 5v5? Like, where does she fit in? I don't know if she does. And I think that's a, a very, very difficult thing that they're going to have to try and figure out balancing wise and just kit wise for her. Like her kit isn't bad, but her kit is a supplemental thing, right? Like it's never been like the main factor. Like your your defense matrix isn't something you're using super regularly because one, you don't have the resources for it. And two, it's more about denying ultimates and denying big um impact abilities like sticky bombs and stuff like that so how how that changes i don't know i i don't i also don't have a problem with with her dmec being a powerful tool i think it needs to maybe be just at least adjusted a little bit yeah i mean we've talked about like it's been talked about a little bit as well that it actually was more of an indirect buff to Echo because like now, because Echo, I guess, has the has the um, survivability to where like, you can you can afford to go run in and diva remake on top of somebody. Whereas if if I'm a diva, usually I'm going to try and like just get to the first place that's safe for me to remake rather than seeking out kills. Well, and they're not seeking out kills, though, on the Echo. It's just a supplemental thing, right? Like. Mm-hmm they can be more aggressive and not worry about it because they can still effectively do damage because it doesn't take them a lot to get back into mech. 
But the the more important thing for the the echoes is getting two self destructs off. Anyways, if you can, that ends up being a lot more valuable, creating a lot more space and doing a lot more than having just the one ultimate and or you know running in and then getting your mech lost and then hopefully getting something. I I think that's the part that's a little bit more valuable for them than uh, the the two hundred and fifty maybe getting a kill. Mm-hmm. All righty, ready to go on to this week's games because we got a ton of them. Let's do it. Okay, so starting with Thursday, like we said, the closest day of all competition, Paris Eternal eke out the 3-2 win over Boston Uprising. Um, we didn't talk about it that much last time we saw them, but Naga, who has been uh, their Echo player for the past couple weeks, has looked very, very good on the Echo. And um, had, a ver- had a very good map here, map game too against Boston. Not to mention, we did have one piece of news that we'll go through really quickly. Um, Elevote, who was the off-take for the Paris Eternal, announced that he would be taking a break for a little bit of time. He has severe pain. Severe pain is probably not the right word for it. Um, He's had a long-lasting reoccurring injury that he's been dealing with for the past couple of years. I think it was his shoulder or his neck, if I remember correctly. Um. And he is going to be taking some time off to deal with that, uh, to try and take care of it long term. Uh, hand and wrist issues that um, started back in 2018. Um, he's done a lot of stuff. They've never, never been able to find it, um, but it was getting to the point where he couldn't like he couldn't even manage to sleep with it. So That's rough. he's going to take some time away. Uh, we wish him the best. Hopefully we see him soon, but always like it's way more important that he gets healthy and that he's safe. Um, but the Eternal brought in um, another guy to take his place. Uh, they brought in Vestola, who is a Finnish off tank player. Um, he's played with all your favorite East uh, EU contender squads. HSL. Cla- he was a stand in for Clockwork and Vendetta um, and for Young and Beautiful and Ex Oblivione. Um, he's played with Exblivione, and then he was a recent pickup for the new version of British Hurricane. And I, from what it sounded like, I know I saw some stuff from Hurix. This is a guy who is really deserving. I think was going to yeah. make a really big splash, and he looks super good for the first week. He's somebody who's been on the grind for a very long time. Has played on, like you said, a bunch of different teams. Uh, Novus Ordo Seclorum is one that comes to mind that I remember watching his team go through the 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 open division bracket trying to get in and they've he's been somebody who's always been a very good player on whatever team he's been on so i'm happy for him that he gets his opportunity i hope that he shines and you know for this game at least paris eternal ended up playing pretty good um more notes about this too since he was coming from british hurricane um which is an academy team it sounds like Paris had to deal with a little bit of a buyout, um, according to Hurix. Well, they're going to um, have which, to do any tier two team. You're, they're going to have to deal with a buyout. Um, which I think indicates because it's like an academy team buyout, like I think it might be a little bit higher. So it yeah. really indicates that like there's like this is who they want. This is the guy they want. Uh, Avala commented on a post and Avala is their manager. Um, buyout wasn't waived, but we thank the org for making it happen since the timeline to make this happen was so short, given that we have a match tomorrow. So really stoked with how it all ended up. I'm glad that another guy who's at, who 
glad that this guy gets a chance in the league and he looks pretty good. Yeah, he was he was playing well. Um, it, it still sucks because Elliot is somebody that that we had waited so long to see play. Then there was the whole visa issue stuff and everything else, and and then all the other problems. And then finally, we got to see him consistently play on a team. And Paris has been a little bit underwhelming so far, but they did look good here at least uh, with Vistola in. They they um. I, I just don't know. I still don't know what their ceiling is. Like only God, only God and Naga, I feel like can only take you so far. Like they've really got to put it together as a team in order to, to make this something. They've looked, I think we were expecting them to possibly be like one of the bottom two teams. They've looked better than I, we thought they would, but for there to be like long-term, like for long-term upward trajectory, I agree. There still needs to be stuff that gets taken care of. Um, Dallas Fuel 3-2 over Florida Mayhem, like we talked about. Uh, going to APAC, we had the first round of the Hangzhou homestand games, which hearing a live crowd behind Overwatch League games is so... I, I You forget how much you miss it. Like, there's a little bit of chills going in hearing it. Um, well, Philly, I was confused because I was like, wait, what is that noise that I'm hearing? I didn't even realize I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. They are they have an actual live crowd behind them for for at least one of the teams. None of the Korean teams actually were there. And then. Philly 3-0 over Guangzhou Charge. Seoul Dynasty 3-2 over the Chengdu Hunters. Those are really good game too. Hangzhou Spark 3-0 over the L.A. Valiant. Um. I think with Chengdu this week, I don't remember who I saw. It might have been Kenobi or it might have been LaFon. I think it was LaFon. The idea that like Chengdu has one of the best Echo players in the world, but they're not playing him on Echo. <laughs> Did they? Well, they have Leave. Leave was yeah. playing Echo. That might have been more in the Hangzhou game then. They did. Um, there were maps where Leave was playing the Reaper, though, and then Kaneki was the one playing the Echo. And I don't I don't know what that difference was. Honestly, to me, the bigger thing that confused me was you had Among in for so many maps. Why is it that Gaga wasn't playing the entire time? That was what was more confusing for me than anything else. Uh, mm-hmm. That that was the more the, the more surprising thing to me. And then Hangzhou Spark 3-0 over the LA Valiant. Um, going back over to the going back over to NA, LA Gladiators 3-1 over the Boston Uprising. I know I'd expected this to be a little bit more competitive. And it, it was in certain spaces, but LA I think was able just to really lock in and have a solid performance, at least for the um qualifying games. San Francisco Shock 3-0 over the Vancouver Titans. Washington Justice 3-0 shutout Florida Mayhem. Um, a little bit surprising. I th- I expected Florida to do a little bit better or to even win this match, but Washington seemed to ha- really be in form. It was it was sort of that confirmation that it's like, oh yeah, you're you look much better as a team when Decay is in there. Shocker. Mm-hmm. No way. It, yeah, right. Who would have thought? I, I was a little bit disappointed, though, in Florida because Florida consistently seems to have been the better team overall than Washington, and they kind of dropped the ball here. And and this game in particular costs Florida mayhem 
their opportunity to get into the June joust. So th- this was the most disappointing part about it was this was Florida Mayhem really losing out on their opportunity to have the- a chance to get in because they have the O2 weekend. Mm-hmm. Looking on to go pretty much going back to APAC, Philadelphia Fusion lose three. Well, not, no, no, I'll lose. I'm sorry. Let me explain how I think about this. Philly win three to one over the LA Valiant. Um, I say lose because if you had looked at Philadelphia, like players and team and fan, like if you had looked at the social media after this game, it might as well have been a loss. People were just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that happened. Like, I can't believe they dropped a map. Well, the, um, the reason why though, is because it ends up costing them in the end because yes, it lost them. Oh, they are for sure in if they three, one, then it's up to what happens with the New York Excelsior. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, it's kind of hilarious, kind of crazy to me that that like that Valiant taking that map is what locks them out. It really was. It was the difference because it, it, if they just win that map, there's none of the problems. They don't have to worry about anything. Seoul Dynasty 3-0 over the Guangzhou Charge. Hangzhou Spark 3-1 over the Chengdu Hunters. And then finishing up the regular season games, or sorry, the uh, qualifying games, LA Gladiators 3-1 over the Paris Eternal. Um, I I kind of felt similarly about this one with the Boston Gladiators game where I really thought, I went in kind of thinking it might be a little bit more even. And then you watch them play and you remember, oh yes, Gladiators have Moth and Shu and Space and Bird Ring. And Kester, like th- there's a reason like why this team is like as good as people want them to be for the most part. They're a talented team. They they still seem to have some things that they need to figure out, but but they do have a lot of talented players and in, in the places you would want them. But it, it, you. The Paris Eternal, I think. It was good of them to get at least a map off of the Gladiators, and it's showing that they are maybe just underneath those teams at the top, but they've they've got some work to do if they want to be able to beat those teams. And then look, Vancouver Titans lose three out of the Dallas Fuel. Brutal game to watch. Really hard to watch. Um, And then that's been the case. Honestly, I think Vancouver might be the worst team in the league. I think this is the the more we see of them, the more I'm like, man, I don't know if they would beat the Valiant. It feels like they've given up in a lot of spots. Unfortunately. It does feel like that. Like, like the games are so fast too. It's so it's disheartening because there's a couple of guys on that team that you're like, man, if they were in maybe a better situation, it might be really good. Well, you look at like, so I don't know if you know this, Lobosco, the Vancouver Titans are present in two of the top three fastest games in Overwatch League history. Probably on one side for one of them and then on the other side for the other one. No, both losing. Oh, no. And here's the worst part, too. Last week's one against the Atlanta Reign where they went, they fell down 3-0. Atlanta started on attack for one of the maps, too. Yeah. Ugh. Yep. It's sad. So we go into the June joust with our final four in a pack of spark dragons, dynasty and Excelsior Excelsior. Like just that one map that Philly lose is it makes so the huge. Difference. It that, just, that Excelsior kicked them just, out. 
it edges them just out. And then over in the West, your final six is Gladiators, Shock, Rain, Fuel, Outlaws, Uprising. So going into the knockouts, I'm almost jealous of APAC. They only get the two knockout games, I think. And not that too many games is a bad thing. I think it just today, it kind of drags on a little bit once you're seeing teams play again and again and again. Um, New York Excelsior 3-1 over the Hangzhou Spark. Um, This surprised a lot of people. I saw... A lot of reactions be like, what the heck just happened? Like, what did this like the spark had an undefeated stage? They played so well, and then all of a sudden it kind of just it just isn't there in that game against New York. It kind of feels like though your New York is starting to ascend. Like these mm-hmm. young guys that they've been bringing along are really starting to come into their own. I, I was really impressed with both Feather and Flora in this series in particular. Because I thought both were were very pivotal in them winning these games. I thought that they outperformed Architect and Shy in a lot of instances. Mm-hmm. And not that Shy had a bad game, but overall as a team, they just seemed to do so much better for the New York Excelsior. And, and that was a little bit of a disappointment because I, I really thought that this was going to be the opportunity for the Spark to get into one of these tournaments and have a good showing. Well, you saw too, they were playing a different kind of and this was kind of more frequent in APAC in general. They were playing a different kind of strategy. They did not run the Echo that much at all. They were playing a lot of Reaper um, McCree. Yeah, there, there was a lot of teams that were kind of playing a little bit different, right? Uh, in APAC. Like APAC, you didn't see the the same sort of um, focus on the the Reaper Echo composition. But more importantly, like you would see Echo on a lot of maps, but then you would see something else paired up with the Echo. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot that was different. It. Flora is really coming into his own. I think as a really strong hit scan player, you're feeling good about him. Bianca's like pretty good, too, from what I've been seeing. And. Out of all the people who I didn't expect to like, I had low expectations of Friday. I'm sorry to say it, but he's looked very, very good. He looked really good in that game. I also thought Jonak had a super good game in this one, mm-hmm. too. I think that was a, a big difference, too. So, like, when you combine, we just said a lot of different guys all, like, looking good to us. Yeah, you, you're probably going to win the map. The other thing, too, that, that they do a little bit different in APAC, just, just to mention, like, they've been playing a lot more of the Brigitte mm-hmm. instead of the Lucio, I think has been also one of the big key differences that their compositions have been having compared to like the NA composition. Looking over to the other knockout game for APAC, Shanghai Dragons 3-0 over Seoul Dynasty. Um, the big story out of this match, I think, was that Lee Gone got 10 environmental kills <laughs> on Lee Tower. It was ridiculous. It, like it put him at like well above everybody at the top, I'm pretty sure, too, of the, the environmental elimination list. It was like most in a game. I think. Yeah. Oh, no, there's no doubt it was the most in a game like that. That hands down was already determined. It, it was just craziness that there was more than just that, though, too, that that he was just. I, I don't know how you. You continually let that happen, but that's Lee Jay gone like he he's a role star for a reason. 
Well, and you saw he was digging the crowd. He was having a good time. Yeah. Like they love, like they were super stoked about like him booping people off. How could you not? Like they were difference making, they were difference making um, plays that he did with those environmental kills. And yeah, other than that, like they lock out so hard. Like Shanghai, they take both control points. They Soul gets one point on Anubis, and then they get full held again on Hollywood. I didn't think it was going to be a three zero in this game, but man. Shanghai, like they're coming, they're back for blood, man. They're back in. I think so. Going over to NA, um, Dallas Fuel 3 0 over Houston. Um, I'm not surprised if I'm being honest. Um, Houston has often had, and this is something that, like, isn't, I, it's not even like this coaching staff, they've done it for a long time. Where it feels like when they find a met, like when they come in with a composition that they think is going to be like ahead of the curve or that's going to give them the advantage, they they stick to it a little bit longer than they really should. Um, I think about I have like burned into my brain, like from either season one or season two of like them refusing to get off, getting full held on King's Row point one uh, because they refused to get off quad tank. Uh, you think last year, I mean, you think in season three when they refused to get off of goats um, or or sorry, season two or even season three last year when they went in with a really weird hydration fire comp that got instantly countered. They never switched off of it. Um, Houston today ran something that was a little bit similar to what they're doing in APAC. Um, they ran Juby on the Brigitte, um, Happy on the McCree, Dreamer on the Orissa, and then dante on the reaper which it's one thing for somebody like decay to play the reaper because like hit scan is kind of his bread and butter we know like that's kind of he can play a lot of things but that's like where his pocket is they've like literally they got to the spot because of of dante's echo and for him not to play it until the last map felt like a really weird kind of turn but you have to ask yourself, why did they do it? Why did they think this composition was better? And if we look at the last map where they did play the Echo, where they did basically play the same composition, except Juby was on the Brigitte, but you kind of have the Lucio and the, the, the Brigitte are kind of interchangeable at that point. They couldn't beat the Dallas Fuel on the same composition. They couldn't beat them in the mirror. So maybe the reason they were playing a different composition wasn't because they didn't think that the composition Dallas was playing was the best, but they couldn't hang with Dallas on that composition. Maybe that was the problem. No, I agree with you there. I think like, that I think if they they I think they thought if they went like toe to toe mirror matchup, they weren't going to win it. And and maybe things would have been a little bit closer. But if they still lose, they still lose. Like, that's the thought process that I have. When I see that well, them eventually concede and play that and then still lose, right? Like that was my thought process with it at the very least. Should they maybe have tried to play the mirror a little bit sooner? I guess so, but like the result's probably going to be the same. Well, they let couldn't me compete check. with them on it. Let me check because I think even in the mirror, I think Dreamer was still on the Orissa. No, no, Dreamer was on the the Winston. He was not playing the the Orissa. On Eichenwald. 
it like I saw people trying to levy. Yeah, he was on the Winston. I saw people trying to like put forward the thing of like, oh, Dreamers, Arisa is too slow. Like it doesn't his style plays too slow. It's like number one, like a lot of the Arisa comps we saw with Atlanta, like it take a little bit. They take some time to set up. They take some time to really get going. Arisa being slow. Shocker. That's yeah. Arisa. Like that is the. I don't understand where Houston fans will blame things on certain things. It, it drives me crazy because. They they assume that they know why Houston is doing things when they maybe don't. You know, we haven't uh, we don't even know if, if what I hypothesized is true or not either. Right. Maybe they truly did believe that they had the better composition, although when you lose on it. In one map, you would think they'd probably stop. So I don't quite get why Houston fans are so down on Houston when position wise, as far as playoffs at the end of the year, you're still fine. You still have two tournaments that you can win. They're still growing as a team. They haven't been together as long as a team like Dallas, even mm. though both teams have technically been together for the same amount of time. Dallas has been together longer, something that I was told, man, Dallas hasn't been together very long. You forget they really have been together for quite a while. They know how to play around each other. Dreamer is somebody they're trying to integrate. Like there's so much that Houston is developing and they're still competing at a high level. So I don't think Houston fans should be too mad at their team for losing this, especially when Dallas had much better grasp of everything. Looking on to the one well, quick note about this, um, this kind of happened after the shock game as well. It's kind of ridiculous to see how like cannibalistic people like social media fit people will get as far as like. You saw it for a couple teams, but like Houston and then um, the last match had one. People like where people will just immediately go after players and like say super awful stuff in DMs or just publicly on Twitter. And. Dante made a very good point, I think, and so did Harsha of like Matt, like honestly, it's a ma their macros just were not there this week. Their macros like they lost on a macro level before it even got to a micro level. And so that's. Going out and saying like, oh, well, was this specific person there bad? They need to get fixed. Like this specific person let the whole thing down. Like there's so much of it that people don't necessarily understand, but they still feel that they still feel the need and the justification to say kind of awful stuff, which is ridiculous. Like you should never do that. It's it's stressful enough being a professional and then to have people sort of pile on like that. There's what there's there's a difference between being critical of somebody and then attacking someone. And the the biggest problem with sports fans in general, and yes, I'm saying sports fans, because whether you realize it or not, esports fan, you're just sports fans. You're mm. just meatball sports fans. That's all you are. You you get too emotional about it and then you turn it into an attack because you're unhappy that your team lost when you think they should have won. And that's when problems happen. And that's when you're a bad fan. Alrighty. And then we go on to Atlanta Reign 3-0 over the Boston Uprising. Um, Atlanta looked really solid this whole game. Um, Boston fights back in certain spaces, but by and large, Atlanta was just mowing through them, it felt like. And Atlanta, I think, was not playing conventional compositions throughout the day, too. Like, they could play the... Or 
I shouldn't say not conventional. They weren't playing. They weren't playing what was considered the metal comp, I think, for quite a lot of it. Yeah, it just wasn't. Atlanta, like this feeds really well into what they can do. Hawk looks great on the Diva. Gator, I think, is has like one of the better Orisas in the league as well. Iris and Masa look really good as well. Like everyone looked very, very tight the whole time. Yeah, when Kai was in, Kai was playing extremely well too. Like they just kind of had everything figured out. I thought Gator and Hawk played super good. I think the one nice thing about this meta is you get to see Hawk play a lot of Diva. And like his Sigma is fine, but his Diva is far better, clearly. And then looking over uh, Dallas Fuel 3-1 over the LA Gladiators. Um, it really feels like... So a couple of weeks ago, I remember saying like, man, I really wonder what Dallas is going to do with this, like with two of their main characters kind of locked out with hero pools. And it... It they have shown that like that doesn't affect them as much as we think it would. They're able to pivot and find out what their strengths are in the next meta and move into it. Um, even with LA looking good all week, Dallas just looked so. Dallas just looked excellent the whole time. They were so decisive in the game, like they 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 were they clearly knew how they wanted to play and they didn't care what they were going up against. And they adapted in game to what mm-hmm. the gladiators were doing to them. That was very impressive to me, especially after the gladiators win that one map. And you're like, oh, OK, gladiators seem to have figured something out that it was pretty rough there for Dallas. And then Dallas is like that. OK, we see how you're doing this. We know how to adapt to it now. Well, you saw it on Junkertown, right? Because like L.A. comes out and they like roll through that first point of Junkertown. And then, like, I start getting these thoughts of, like, all right, like, we might see, like, a reverse sweep. We might see a fifth map. And they get through first point, And then Dallas is able to just, like you said, just to adapt, reposition, and lock stuff down to where they take, like, they still take that map. Like, they push all the way through. And this is where we see the Doomfist really come into play, too, for Dallas. Yes, because the Sparkle Doomfist. Because you, you wouldn't think Junkertown... It is the map where you can do that, but if you get past that first point, Junkertown actually is very good for Doomfist. Mm-hmm. So he's able to effectively play it against the Arisa composition because sure, you have the Halt. Um, they didn't play the McCree funny enough to try and stop the Doomfist, which I think was a mistake on the Gladiator's part. Um, and I don't know if that's because they didn't want to put Mir onto the the Reaper or or what, but like not having, you know, Brigitte is great and all, but I think having the flashbang, like you need all the tools against Doomfist and you didn't have them all that you could mm-hmm. potentially have. One of the big ones missing, of course, is Zenyatta is not in available, right? So you don't have the the damage orb that you can throw onto the Doomfist as he's coming in. So that made things a lot harder for the gladiators as well. So I the the no McCree, I think, is one thing that kind of surprised me that they didn't make that adaptation for for the gladiators. But I do think that the gladiators still played pretty well regardless. And they just once they figured out that they couldn't keep up with Dallas on the the Reaper Echo Comp, I thought that they adapted very well to give themselves the best chance. Mm-hmm. And then going into our last game of the week, 
Atlanta Rain 3-0 shutout over the San Francisco Shock. Um, not really at all what I expected to see today. Um, and it was, at least for those first two maps, it was a solid shutout. Um, they locked them out completely of Nepal. They limit them to just point one on Hanamura. Um, they managed like, so San Francisco and Atlanta both make it all the way through their offensive runs, but Atlanta is able to fight back. So San Francisco holds in on this attack run and they just like, there are so many points that attack run where like they almost hold through. They almost make it back. Um, Oh man, it, this was like a kind of a shocking game to watch for the most part. I think it was most shocking because this is still the majority of that championship team mm -hmm. failing to qualify for an important game. For the second time. For the second time. I think that shows one how how much other teams have closed the gap on them. But I think it also shows like how much the loss of a bunch of guys have made a difference for San Francisco. I think that's one thing that, that uh, can't be overlooked and it's not because Nero's a bad player or Glister's not a good player. They just don't have, or FD God, they just don't have the same chemistry with those players as what they had with the players that were in those positions before. Like, like mm -hmm. you're talking about how many straight years those players were together. It's hard to try to get back to that point with a new set of players. It really is. Not to mention their calling process is different now too, since Moth isn't there either. Which I don't think is as big of a deal because they would play without Moth a lot of the time. So that, mm. that I don't think is as big of a thing. I, I think the bigger thing is, is having half your team be sort of new to how your roster is and not fully having them integrated yet. And and the scary part about all of this is, is there's still a team that you have to worry about. Like, I know I know that they they haven't qualified for the either of these tournaments, but the more time that goes on, the more time that they have the ability to rise to the occasion, the more time that they have to to gel together. So I'm not concerned about San Francisco yet because they are still competing. Like, think about it. They won against Dallas, who has was one of the teams that looked the best this weekend. So mm -hmm. I, I don't think that people should be concerned yet for San Francisco because they are, they are a super dedicated group and, and they still have one of the best coaches, if not the best coach in the world. So give it time still, but you have to be impressed with Kai and Pelican. I thought both of them were super good in this game. Pelican was like untouchable on the echo. Yeah. And they were pocketing Pelican a lot on it. And then Kai, Kai on whatever they wanted Kai on. It didn't matter. Kai, I thought, played lights out today. Correct me if I'm wrong. They didn't, it didn't seem like Shock were really paying, like, there was not a lot of resources dedicated to stopping Pelican, it felt like. Well, it's hard to stop a pocket, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it was that they weren't putting enough resources into stopping pelican or if it was just they really didn't have the opportunity to, to try and do that because everybody else was was putting too much pressure on them 
And again, we talked about this earlier. People immediately were going after shock players in DMs. I think Nero posted something very interesting. Crazy how the first people to message me hate are people with hashtag winnable, which is like the San Francisco shock hashtag um, in their bio. Like it's. I don't know, man. Like it's the kind of thing where like in people. People invest so much of themselves as fans. People invest so much of themselves personally into this. Where like I still I just I don't understand where people feel like they have the right or like where they have the justification or like where they have any reason to go into people's DMs and start trying to flame players. People are ridiculous. They're just ridiculous. I I don't understand it either, but they do it anyway. And it sucks. But that's also sort of life as a professional player is you're going to have overly passionate people that are going to say things that they shouldn't and they shouldn't say them. But the the way how you deal with it is what matters, right? Um cuz you're you're you they personally, the players are not going to be the ones that are able to stop it. It's people like us that can tell people to stop doing that and to ostracize those people. That makes a difference. The players themselves they they can only take it, right? Like they can't they can't go back at those people because if they do, we know what would be the result of it and they'd get suspended there'd be something else so really all they have to do all they can do is grin and bear it so Mm -hmm. but it it is unacceptable it will never be something that's okay and the people who do that are not really the fans that they think they are looking ahead wrapping up with our, our june joust actual tournament come on show me the actual come on so we start Thursday, June 10th at 6 p.m. Pacific time. New York Excelsior versus Atlanta Rain. Who are we feeling on this one? I don't know. It's really tough because these are sort of the two teams that I think people like people. If you're expecting teams to get in, these are the two that that are lower on the list. And it's harder to tell how they're going to be because they've never been in this position. Mm-hmm. So I think here is, is the hardest one to read. If I had to pick, I guess I'm going with. Uh, I'm I'm going to go with Atlanta. Mm-hmm. The I'm way they were. I mean, they were pretty dominant. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if New York won, though. Like, it, it's so hard when you don't get to see these regions play each other until this point. So I guess I'll go Atlanta rain. And then in our rematch from the finals of the May Melee, Dallas Fuel versus Shanghai Dragons, their first game of the actual tournament of the actual playoffs. I feel like this is the game that's going to determine what is actually the stronger composition. Yeah. Um, and I think I think because you get to pick the map if you lose. And I think that control Dallas is going to be the better team. I think Dallas wins. I would again, not surprised if it goes the other way. Like this is like, like if if you were like to give me like putting odds on it or, or like a percentage, it'd be like 51% Dallas, 49% Shanghai, you know, mm-hmm. like it could really go either way. It's almost 50, 50 in my mind. Yeah. It's, 
I'm right there with you. I don't know. Who, I really don't know who wins. I think if it's like if it's the mirror matchup, I feel like slightly better towards Dallas. But even then, like, ugh. like I and said, it's you, about what composition is actually the better comp. What do you think is our? Do you think we get a repeat of the finals from last stage? Um. I think Atlanta or New York could be spoilers to that, but I, I am more inclined to think that we could get our Dallas fuel Shanghai dragons rematch in my heart of hearts. I also kind of want that to happen because, uh, if it's Shanghai and Dallas continually battling for these tournaments, like that, that's just such a good storyline. If this continues throughout, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're the only two teams that have been in both tournaments this year so far. I wouldn't be surprised if it continues that way in the the next two tournaments and then at the end of the season playoffs. So I I do like it as a storyline and hope that that they do end up being the final two, but I would not be upset with Atlanta or New York upsetting that or both of those teams. Like I'm a, I'm still a big like Atlanta is my second team. They really are because of Hawk. So I'm I'm really hoping that that Hawk can kick some ass and and go pretty far, but but the my head says Dallas feel Shanghai. I think if I had to pick another winner for this tournament, I think I have to pick Dallas again. I'm like I'm not even because like it's an easy pick. I just it feels. It feels right, Labasco. It have, feels right. You have you have a twenty five percent chance of being right, right? Like like you've got a one in four odds. That's not bad of being right if you pick any of these teams. So, yeah, I, I don't think it's a bad pick. They made it back. Um, there were some questions when when they played San Francisco, but they seem to have figured those things out. So, yeah. Cool, cool. Well, Labasco, I think that's all we have for this week of Push the Point. Anything else before we wrap up for the night? Excited for next week. Uh, I'm excited to see how the the two new teams, well, one new team and the, and one team that was already there, do it uh, once they get to Hawaii. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I like. I do think too. There's a point to be made about whether or not. I, I think we kind of invent the like NA versus APAC like difference a little bit. It feels like so someone made a comparison of like. I, I, I'd love to get your thoughts on this as well. I saw somebody make a, par a comparison. I don't remember who that when when upsets happen in the league in North America, it's because, oh, well, like the parity between teams is like so tight, like because like, the level of competition has raised so much. Whereas like in APAC. When upsets happen, it's because people play is because teams play below their potential. I'm not saying that's how it is, but I've seen that opinion passed around by a couple different people. I think that's lazy, um, a lazy thought from those people, and a frankly, a very. Um, I'm trying to think of the right wording here for it, uh, because the APAC teams all tend to have people, uh, certain people on their team. I think it, I'm trying to think of the best wording for it because um, it's it's like veiled racism, mm. right? Thinly veiled racism is what it feels like to me. Because if anything, the APAC teams have 
South Korean players on them for the most part. And those players have been the best players in the world for how how long? Mm-hmm. Super so long to think that they are playing below their level and that maybe those teams are better than what you think. I don't know. It, it's not necessarily that, but it kind of feels like that. Um, because like you're calling them lazy, right? But that's definitely not the case. I don't believe that's what it is. So I, I don't I don't like stuff like that because why don't you think the same about an 18? Complacency is something that everybody has to deal with. And to put it on just one region getting complacent and not the other, I think is um is very bad. I, I don't like it. Gotcha, gotcha. I appreciate your insight on it. And then as I'm that's it for me. Anything else? No, I uh, like I said, I'm just ready for for these games to get along because I'm really excited for the final four we've got. Cool, cool. That's going to do it then for episode 106 of Push the Point. Thanks for hanging out with us in chat or for listening along wherever you are. We appreciate you. As always, the best thing you can do to help us out is to leave us a review on whatever podcast platform you like to use. Uh, We read out every new review that we find out on the show. And it's a good way to help us learn what you guys like about the show, what we can improve. Um, It's very good. We appreciate it a lot when people leave us reviews. We also invite you to join the Mash Those Buttons community, which you can do so by going to discord.me slash mash those buttons. Keeps you up to date with all of your favorite shows on the network. It also tells you when game night is, which game night is, is it this coming this weekend? Saturday. This, this Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. So this coming Saturday. So discord.me slash mash those buttons to join us for this Saturday's game night. It's going to be fun, I'm sure. Um, I'm sure we'll be either enjoying how the, the playoffs have been going or molding about it too. So you can maybe hear about that as well if you come in and, oh yeah, there's a bunch of other really awesome shows that the discord keeps you up to date on. So be sure to stick around for that. And also at the end of this, you'll hear about some of those shows, patreon.com slash mash those buttons to monetarily support the network little as a dollar a month and you get access to Patreon exclusive content. Do it. This network is awesome. Ja deserves all the help to keep this network running that he could get and support it. You can also yes. go to Twitter and support us by going to at pushpoint POD or emailing us if you want something a little bit more long form. Push the point at gmail.com. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. If they want to get in contact with you online, where do they go? At Labosco, um, you can see me posting the awesome White Sox jerseys because the White Sox jerseys have been killing it with the new Southside one. And then they wore the like classic like 80s one, but in a new take. And it was super, super cool. So their jerseys are awesome and they're a good team and make me happy and make me actually want to watch baseball. So. Cool, cool. You can find me on Twitter at Ramsey's underscore O.W. And that's going to be it for episode 106 of PTP. Uh, Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening. Closing thoughts, Mr. Labosco. Let's see some awesome games next weekend. I can't wait. And don't be on these teams if they end up not playing up to your expectations. Um, Don't be a bad person. Be a good person. Seriously. Alrighty, y'all have a good night, day, whatever time it is. We appreciate you. And we will see you soon for our coverage of the climax of the June Joust Tournament. Have a good one, and we'll talk to you later. Bye.
Thanks for listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. If you enjoyed the show, you should check out mashthosebuttons.com and see if any of our other shows might interest you. All of our shows are available on your podcast platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you enjoy our content, you can help support Mash Those Buttons by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash mashthosebuttons, where you can receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month. You can connect with Mash Those Buttons at twitter.com slash the Mash Network, facebook.com slash mash those buttons, or join our Discord at mash.gg slash discord. 